0: Everybody that helped with VBS, stand up, will you? Isn't that great? Wow. Good morning, everybody. Um, I got to help with VBS. And uh, my wife and I uh, discovered Thursday night when we helped the preschoolers they, uh, we didn't really do that much, but they tie them to a string or something and send them down the hallway, and uh,
1: we kind of walked
0: with them down there and went to different rooms and outside, and what we discovered is that we're old. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, I just want to say uh, we have a great children's ministry here. We really do, and all of those people that stood, and many more beyond that. Uh, there were some in first service. Uh, this is a great place to bring kids, and uh, you should be proud of that, and happy, and invite families and friends and neighbors that have kids. This is a great place to bring them. Uh, we really had a fun time. Yeah. Did uh, Did you all notice a uh, little Carrie on the stage and their little? Well. well that's what I usually do. I usually am in the nursery. Uh, but they drug me out of there, and I mean drug me, uh, because I would much prefer to be in there than with, not that I don't like you guys. I mean, you're okay. But uh, that's my thing right now. I I feel, and, and isn't that kind of the way it should be? These kids, all these kids we saw, children we saw, uh, they're, that's your next, pastors, and teachers, and and administrators, and nurses, and doctors, and wow, don't we want them to be loved, and know the love of Jesus, and all of what goes with that? I mean, I when I'm in the nursery, I feel like I'm closer to Jesus than about anywhere else, uh, just holding babies, and by the way, I'm the best at putting babies to sleep, so uh, I don't know if they just... You know I smell bad and knocks them out. I don't. I don't know if that. But you got a crying baby. I'm your guy. Ring him to me and I'll have him sleep for you. Um, so it's great to be here. Uh, for the youth that don't know who I am, I'm David Coffey, and uh, I've been around here for a little while, but really have been around here in the last year or so since I retired uh, from overseeing some churches here in our district, and I. So Ryan asked me if I would share this morning. By the way, uh, just so you guys are reminded, not only did we have VBS all last week, there's a bunch of kids going to camp right after this service, as I recall, headed off to camp. Um, I didn't think to do this in first service, but we really should pray for them, shouldn't we? Uh, are, are any of you kids in here, are the kids in here, or are they down in the hallway? They're down the hallway pretty much. Can we just take a minute and and let's just pray? I mean, some of the people, the leaders who worked all last week here in the VBS are also headed off to camp with those kids uh, this this week, and I just I think we should pray for them. Uh, beyond that, uh, we have a whole team down in Columbia. Uh, they've been there since uh, Friday. They took off on Friday, and uh, well. So we should pray. VBS camp in Columbia—that's a that's a full week. So let's just put our hearts together and pray. God, would you just as these young people head off to camp, they've just come off of uh, most all of them of a, a great week here uh, at VBS. But I do pray for them in this uh, time when it's very focused on who they are, their age group, and in a in a very a good environment where they can just be very open to you. I, pr- I pray that you would meet them there in a special way. As they come home from camp this next week, I pray that it they'll come full, full of the love of God in their hearts and in their lives. and. And so just meet them. And for the, the those that are going with them, the counselors and, and drivers that are driving them and all of that, Lord, be with them as well, especially those that worked all last week and are taking off today uh, with our kids. Thank you. And, Lord, just uh, keep them all safe. Protect them as they travel as well as they're, while they're at camp as well. And then, Lord, we pray certainly for our Columbia uh, team. They're probably in a service right now. Uh, down in uh, Sienica, D'Altro. Wonderful place, Lord. Meet them there. And this week as they're doing ministry. Uh, Be with them, protect them, keep them all safe and healthy in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Well, it's great to be with you. Uh, Turn your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 8. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever said something to someone and it came out wrong? Or they totally misunderstood what you said. Anybody ever done that? Probably virtually all of us have done that at some point. Let me, let me tell you something that happened to me years and years and years ago. Uh, when I first got out of Bible college, my wife and I were uh, in Grants Pass, Oregon, as youth pastors. And uh, to just start this off, let me just say, I, I mean, I've just graduated from Bible college. Uh, my wife has written both sermons to get me through Bible college. And uh, I'm a nervous wreck getting in front of people. I absolutely hate it. I, I, and so when I got there, youth pastoring was kind of okay because I didn't have to do much preaching or any of that stuff. So, but I did have an assignment that, because the pastor, Harvey, he wouldn't let you get away with it. You, you just he's always, always pushing you out there. So he'd made me do announcements. And on this particular Sunday, there was a crowd similar to this, maybe a little larger, I don't know. But um, my assignment was to receive the offering, make announcements, and at the end of the announcements, I was supposed to congratulate Brother and Sister Carver on their anniversary. I don't know Brother and Sister Carver's name. I don't think I ever knew their first names because everybody, when I grew up back in those days, this is 1970, was Brother and Sister whatever their last name was, right? So I'm supposed to congratulate them. I couldn't tell you what anniversary it was. It was only I was supposed to congratulate them. So... I'm all done with the announcements, taking the offering, and I'm, I'm saying, and we want to congratulate uh, Brother and Sister Carver today on whatever the anniversary was, and I'm looking for them, and I can't see them anywhere. I'm looking all over, and I can't find them. I, I don't see And finally, some people are pointing, and they're back there, right on those back two chairs, right where those people are there in the back pew right there, and they're kind of hidden a little bit. And I, oh, 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 there you are. I see you. Oh, Sister Carver, you I didn't recognize you. You got your hair done. And everybody started laughing. They thought that was funny because they thought I was saying, well, you look okay today, but you don't normally look okay because you got your hair done. I didn't mean it that way, but it kind of came out that way. Let me give you another illustration. Your pastor uh who I can talk about because he is my son, and I have a little, I, I, I thought about actually, he, he might be watching right now on live stream, and I thought I'd start by saying I'm going to talk about sex today <laughs> and just see how it went for him for those few minutes <laughs> before I told him what I was really going to talk about. But I won't do that. But let me tell you a story about him. Because he'll often reference his mom, or me, or his kids, and that's what pastors do, they embarrass their family. So he's probably, and my wife should be telling the story because it involves her, but I think he was probably four or something like that, and my wife had started a tradition at Christmas that every Christmas she would give our two children, Amber and Ryan, a a decoration, a Christmas decoration that was kind of special for them. And uh, the kids always, uh, you know, when they're that age, <laughs> when Christmas is coming, they start seeing the gifts around the tree, and they want to open gifts, don't they? Uh, they want to open them right now. They're in there rattling them and trying to hear, hear and figure out what they are and stuff, and, and uh, they forget. But uh, what she would tell them is we can open one gift on Christmas Eve. One gift on Christmas Eve, the rest of them get opened on Christmas morning. And, uh, of course, they would forget what would, it would be every year. Uh, because they were young, and they just were excited about having a gift. And she always, they were, what the dec- what the uh, gift was always was a, a decoration of some sort for them to, to remember Christmas by that year and for them to have. And so she would wrap them all up really nice. And so they'd see this box that she'd give them on Christmas Eve, and uh, they opened it up, and uh, Ryan opened his up, and... Uh, They were just—he was like disappointed, (laughs) because it's a gift, and they expect a toy or whatever. And he'd forgotten what happened last year, but now he's old enough to be disappointed with what he sees in this. And his mom says, "Well, honey, this is this is a decoration for you to take with you for your for your Christmas tree when you leave home." And that sort of ended it, and it was like okay. And so I go put him in bed, and I get Amber down, and I go into Ryan's room, and he's laying in his bed, and I go over to lay down beside him and pray with him like I would always do. And I could tell—you can tell when your kids aren't quite right, right? They're like—he was just on the edge. And uh, I said, "I said, well, son, what's what's wrong?" I could tell he was almost in tears. And and I said, what's what's wrong? And he just burst out crying. I don't want to leave home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, his mom didn't mean he had to leave home that day. But he thought that. So we say things sometimes and there's misunderstanding. There's a great story in the Bible in uh, Mark chapter 8 that I want to talk about that has to do with the disciples and Jesus, because that happened to them. In Mark chapter 8, and uh, I'm reading from a new King James version, in case yours is a little different, if I can actually find it. There it is. I'm going to start reading in verse 13, and I, I want to just talk about this for a few minutes this morning. I want to talk about what it means to miss a miracle that God might want to do in your life. It certainly was true in their lives. To just set this up briefly, let me just remind you that in the context of what, what we're starting to read in verse 13, several things have happened. This is a great uh, passages of Scripture. This is all kinds of miracles and different things happening. And two of the things that have happened just immediately before when we start reading here is that Jesus had fed the 5,000. Everybody remember that story? Jesus feeds the 5,000. He has, uh, what, uh, five loaves and two fishes. Is that right? Yeah. And there was a whole bunch left over. How much was left over? 12, 12 baskets full left over. So that happened. And then he fed 4,000. They had seven loaves that time and a few fishes, it says. doesn't say how many, but a few. And he fed 4,000. And they had how many left over? Anybody remember that? Seven. They had seven left over. So that's just happened, right? And now they're getting in the boat and they're headed uh, over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And this is what it says in verse 13. And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. I should put a comma there for a second and also say this. Jesus had just, when he got in the boat, immediately before he got in the boat, He's dealing with Pharisees. Uh, The Pharisees had seen the miracles, the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000. They'd seen all of that, and that got them pretty excited, and they started hammering and pestering Jesus for more signs, more miracles, more things, and that bothered him a lot. He wasn't really wanting to do that. He didn't because the Pharisees had ulterior motives in the middle of it all and it would have been a never-ending kind of thing uh, for them to continue to want that and so he gets in the boat and they departed for the other side in verse 14 it said and now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them uh, with them in the boat and then he charged them saying take heed Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Put a comma there for a second. Well, let me me read the next verse because they assumed, in verse 16, they assumed or reasoned among themselves saying, he's saying these things to us basically because we have no bread. So Jesus makes a statement about the Pharisees and uh, the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod and they totally think he's talking about the fact that they forgot to bring lunch. Before they got in the boat. Do you understand that? The 11 of the Pharisees, and I, I didn't say this in the first order. I should have probably said this. I'm not really ragging on these disciples because I, I don't know if you ever do this or not. But when I think about those guys and what they're doing and all of what they're going through and the kinds of things they get themselves into and all that, I see me. They're just guys like us, Right? And so they think the same. I, I would have probably been yelling at somebody about, I thought you were in charge of lunch. Now we're going to go hungry. What's the deal? And, and when Jesus turns around and looks at us and starts talking to us, I think Jesus was a little miffed already. And what's funny about this story to me is that the disciples think he's mad at them for forgetting lunch. And what Jesus is maybe more upset with them about is the fact that they would think that he would be upset at them for forgetting the lunch. Think about the context for a second. What had he just done with five loaves and seven loaves? What had he just done? And now they're in a boat with him. It, they're not even in the crowd now. And oh, by the way, they participated in that. They saw it all. They were helping to do stuff, you know, and serving and clacking and all the stuff that went with it. And here they are. And, and, and not, they're not just like sitting off at the distance watching people and there's Jesus over there. They're like in the boat with Jesus. We've actually seen a boat in in Israel uh, at a ship, at a, uh, what's it called, those, what are they? Kaboots, caboots, that's right. Uh, and they, they found a boat dated to Jesus' day. We don't know if it was the boat Jesus was in, but... They're not like massive boats. This isn't like a a big ferry or even a big, I mean, they're they're probably maybe, I don't know if they're 20 feet long even, and not really wide. And so they're that close to Jesus himself, and they've got it all wrong. They're worried about the fact that he's going to be upset with them because they forgot to bring bread. And Jesus is like, don't you guys start thinking this way, basically is kind of what he's saying. Don't start thinking this way. That's what Pharisees, the, the, <laughs> the Pharisees would think that way. Herod, but, but don't you guys think that way. So I want to look at this, and I'll, I just want to get three things. And, am I doing something to make this thing rattle or whatever? Is it my glasses? I'd take them off, but that would be for a really interesting sermon. I've been making all kinds of stuff up because I couldn't (laughs) see anything. I'm going to give you just three little simple quick points, and I'm going to draw some uh, things for us out of that because I think what's really important for us in these sort of settings is to see, well, what's Jesus saying to us about this? So the first thing I want to say is this, that Jesus wanted them to see that who they had in their heart was more important than what was in their boat. They were focused on what was in the boat or maybe better said, what wasn't in the boat instead of on the fact that Jesus Christ himself was in the boat with them. They've seen Jesus do the miracles. They've experienced it. They've watched it. And I think this is important for us because we live in a, um, what's the right term, a fairly and I'm going to use the word materialistic because I can't think of another word to use, but a, a consumer kind of uh, 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 world, uh, you know, environment that we live in. You know what I'm saying? That, that it's very easy, even for the church. And, it's, and if I could just go out on a little bit of a limb and just say it's even, in a lot of ways, to me at least in my observance of the body of Christ, and I don't mean this church, I mean the body of Christ, it's invaded the body of Christ quite a bit. We live in a society that's all about more. And I believe God always has more for us, but we define more sometimes with, I want a nicer car. I want a bigger house. I wish I had a better job. I wish... I had more money. Uh, when I, I oversaw some churches and, and was dealing with pastors often it was I wish I had a bigger church. I, 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 I know all of that stuff because I feel those things too. So we live in a very consumerized society and, and uh, kind of that in that kind of environment. And it's very, I feel like, very easy for us, though we are followers of Christ, to forget that we have the provider of everything that we need living in us. They're in the boat with him. You've had a personal experience. Hopefully, we had, by the way, two people this morning in the first service who made a decision to follow Jesus. That's a good thing, yeah. Yeah. But, but if you're here and you've made that decision, you, you have the, the miracle worker. And, and somebody could think, you know, everything I'm talking about uh, maybe in the next few minutes is about money. I'm not just talking about money, okay? We, that's the first thing our head goes toward because we live in that kind of a world. But I'm going to tell you, if, uh, I don't know if Ryan or Jeremy or any of them are preaching down in uh, Columbia right now, but they're not talking about God wants you to all be millionaires. You know what I'm saying? Because I, that's that's not the gospel. He wants to provide for us, and he wants to bless them, and provide for them, and he wants to bless you and provide for you. He, but but it's everything. And and here's here's the thing, is he had just done miracles that they had seen, and now they're they're like at a at a loss. And that can happen to us too. He can do all kinds of great things in your life, and he ministers to you and through you, and and he works in your behalf. He, he answers a prayer for you. Uh, we're part of the prayer team, and we we pray. And Diane and I, when we're walking, we'll pray for the re- requests and stuff. And God, will, and we hear praise reports, which is fantastic to hear. But then, uh, but then, we, as soon as we get that blessing, well, we're well. But I don't have this, and I don't have that. And I think what God's wanting us to do is to realize that, wow, we have all kinds of opportunities. The disciples are sitting in a boat. Jesus is with them, had just done the miracles, and they're going hungry. It reminds me of a a story I heard about um, uh, during World War II. There was a, a lifeboat, had five men in it, five men in the lifeboat, and they have no water. They've been there. Out, They've run out of water, I don't know how many days, but they're dying of thirst, literally. What, do you can go, what, three days or so without water? And they're dying. And um, not long before they were rescued, one of them, and they didn't know they were going to be rescued, they were just floating out there, in this, what they perceived to be just water around them. And one of them just decided, I'm going to die anyway, I'm going to drink some water, salt water or not. And he leaned over and he began to drink the water, and what he discovered was that it was fresh water that they had floated to the mouth of the Amazon River. So isn't that a great picture? They're in the middle of a of water all around them that could be saving their lives right now, but they don't know it because they don't reach out and step out and see what God might have for them. That's the disciples' problem dilemma. It might be some of our problem and dilemma. God may be, in fact, I even talked thought about talking about this morning what's holding you back from what God wants you to do. Maybe somebody's had God speak to them about in fact uh, one of the young ladies came to me after the first service and said you know God's been talking to me about a ministry a particular ministry that I should get involved in and I've just felt like I can't do that. I'm just afraid I don't know. I'm going you're the very person that can do that if God's in your boat if he's on your side. So We're much the same way as the disciples. Uh, They had Jesus, but they felt like they were lacking. The other thing I'd say is number two would be the less that he has to work with, the more he likes to do with it. And uh, I really hesitate to um, talk about me very much. But I'm going to use myself as an illustration for you. Because uh, I feel like one of those people that are um, less I don't have great talent. As we were singing, if you sit in front of me, I apologize. Uh, But I like to sing, uh, but I can't carry a tune in a bucket. And uh, I think I learned to like to sing when my riding to church with my dad, because I always and he, by the way, couldn't carry a tune in the bucket either. Uh, But he loved to sing and. On, he'd listen to the radio we'd listen to those old gospel quartets on the way to church and uh, I like to sing but I, I I'm not a gifted person I really am not uh, a little of my story in fact my wife and I <clears throat> talk about this fairly often and this is going to sound like a, a, a little gratuitous but I don't mean it that way but we just celebrated 51 years yesterday <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> my wife got a standing ovation from Ken. <laughs> and that's really what all of you should be doing because that's the reason right there. And I really truly mean that. I just told you she got me through Bible college. I never graduated if it hadn't been for her. I guarantee you. But um, so we often will sit, and I mean often, and uh, I heard her saying something the other day to somebody. I'm just so blessed. And I want to start every day just just experiencing the blessing. And saying and speaking how blessed I am. But we do say that because that's how we feel. We're not rich. We don't have the biggest house. We don't have the biggest. We never had the biggest church. But we're blessed. We've, we we just see the blessing of God in our life. And and when I say that, I, I'm amazed because I grew up in a town of 173 people in in northwest Missouri. Um I was the paper boy. They had 173 till I left. Then it went down to 172. I don't know if they kept changing the site or not. But uh, I was the paper boy. Uh, I went to a very small high school. I was a country farm kid that grew up working on farms and, and stuff and about killed myself and a few other people a few times with equipment that I shouldn't have been handling. Uh, I just <laughs> I wasn't a great student. I didn't like school necessarily. I was a fearful kid, used to cry when I went into first grade, I was only, you could give me a little break because I was only five. I started school when I was five. Okay, first grade when I was five. Everybody got that? That's why I was crying. And my sister would have to walk me home and uh, it, it, because I was fearful in this little small town that we lived in. And I don't know what that was all about except for that my mother was diagnosed then with uh, leukemia when I was in the fifth grade. And I was sick, very sick, for the three years before she died when I was in the eighth grade. And then um, I I talk about this in ways that make it sound like God might kill people to get people where he wants them. And I don't believe that, so don't even think that. But my stepmother came into my life. And I never had any plans to go to Bible college, ever. It was the last thing in the world that I ever wanted to do. But my stepmother had a connection to Foursquare pastors. And my sister and I went to camp. Some of these kids are going to go to camp. Your youth are going to go to camp in a couple of weeks. And at camp, we met and made relationships. And my sister decided to go out to Los Angeles to Bible College with a friend. And because she did, here's what I wanted to do. I was, uh, the only thing I was confident in was sports. And that's because I went to a school with 84 kids and you could be the star there. (laughs) I was pretty good in baseball, actually, but uh, I was confident in sports. Everything else, I was not confident in at all. So I decided I wanted to play in the major leagues, uh, but figured out after we played Truman High School in Kansas City in the district playoffs, who had 2,000 students, and they shut us out, I wasn't going to go to the major leagues. So I wanted to be an umpire, because I like telling people what to do. And I thought, that'll work. So I was going to, my dad would have never let me go. I was 17 years old. He would have never let me go to Los Angeles except if I went to Bible college. So off I went in my 1960 push-button diet. If anybody knows what car that is, I'm sorry. And <laughs> off I went, never intending to do anything other than just go for a year and then go to home car school. But God had another plan. All I did was say yes to something that God was directed in my life anyway. And now we've been in ministry for a lot of years, and we've seen God bless. We've seen God bless our family, our life. And I'm saying all of that to say, don't ever say God can't do it with me. Don't ever say that all I got a hot dog bun. Because if there's a hot dog bun kind of person in this world, That'd be me. And I'm, I'm serious about that. I, I'm not saying that to be all humble and all that at all. I'm saying that because I want you to know that there's all kinds of possibilities for you in your life if you'll just give him what you got. Here's the saddest thing about the whole story in my mind is that the disciples didn't even give Jesus what they did have. Do you notice that? It's like the, they're starting to, well, we forgot to bring the bun? We only got one. What are we going to do now? Now he's mad at us because we don't have and, a and, and, and if they would have just, if they would have just given him the one, think of, you talk about a parable in the Bible. We would have had a parable in the Bible at that point. Wow. Think about it. if he did, um, There were 12 baskets left over. And by the way, you know the 5,000 number, the 4,000 number? Everybody knows it's probably a lot more than that, right? I think they pretty much only counted men in those days. I know that's not politically correct today, but that's the way it was back then. So there's maybe 15 or 20,000 and maybe 12 or 15 or 18,000 that we're talking about. And he did all of this left over, 12 baskets, seven big baskets it says are left over, Think of what could have happened with one little loaf of bread. The miracle would have been what would it have been if there was uh, 12 baskets left, or if he fed five and 4, thousand, he might have fought seven or eight or nine or 10,000 people could have been fed. I don't know. they'd have been throwing bread out of the boat. the fish would have all been fed. Everybody would have had food. It'd have been amazing. But they didn't even give him the loaf that they had. And that's the real crux of where I'm at today with you. Are you willing to give God everything? Are you willing to give him what it is that you have? I um, mentioned that I oversaw churches in six states for nine years. And um, one of my responsibilities was to help churches make sure that they were... uh, you know, doing things right and appoint pastors and ordain pastors and do that sort of stuff. But every every foursquare church, and this, you probably know this if you're a member, especially. But every foursquare church has a report, a little simple report they do, one page report every month. They send it in and shows their attendance and that kind of stuff and offerings, whether they take an offering and how they where it go. You know, very broad categories. It's not very detailed, but it's just a way to keep accountable. Are they paying their bills? And sometimes I would get calls from creditors or something of a church that didn't pay bills or wasn't paying their bills, or a council member, or whoever it might be, of, well, wow, these guys aren't taking care of stuff, or uh, the finances. We, we gave money and we didn't get a tax receipt you know, at the end of the year. And and, uh, one of the interesting things to me was this, was that a lot of times a small church pastor would say things like, well, we're small, so we just don't do that kind of stuff. We just, you know, we're small. We just, you know, we have a a guy that comes in, you know, once a month and kind of takes care of the books and pays the bills, and we just trust that he does it. We don't give tax receipts unless, you know, somebody asks for it, then we'll try to put one together for him and stuff. And I, and I always ask him this question because I, I can promise you that every one of those pastors were praying for more. More people, a bigger building, uh, more finances, more money, more opportunities to minister. And my question to them is why why would God give you more unless you take care of what he's given you? Unless you provide, because I've always felt that way. It doesn't matter if you got $10 or $100. You should handle that the same way in God's economy of things. And the same with gifts, people, things that you have, a home, a car, whatever it might be. And that's my question to you. You want more from God. Everybody here want more from God? Well, three of us do. That's great. We're done. (laughs) Some of you don't. I mean, we all want more from God, right? We want him to bless us. I see prayer requests all the time about, you know, uh, praying for a better job. We pray for that. But listen, if he gives you a better job, do with it what he gives you then and p- give it to him. And I'm, I'm not talking about just giving all your money to God. I'm talking about being faithful to be what he asks you to be and to do with him and for him. Amen? We need to do that. We need to be willing to do that. Uh I, I, just, I just think it's such a, a great illustration in Matthew chapter 25 when it talks about the parable of the talents. Does anybody remember that story? And uh, there was these four, three guys, and Jesus gave one of them how many? Five. Start with the big one. Start with five. So he gave one five. He gave the other one two. He gave the other one one. And what did he say with them to do? Go now and see how you invest them. And the one with five did what? Doubled it. He's got nice, he He's got ten. The one with two did doubled it. He's got four. The guy with one, he buried it. Don't, don't, don't be, don't be the guy that buries it. Don't be the woman that buries it. Uh, God's asked you to do some things for him. You you have potential to do things for him that you don't even know about. But if you're willing to say in your heart, God, what do you want from me? He'll bless that. Because when those three guys got back, what happened? Good on the guy with five, he's got ten. Good on the guy with two, he's got four. But the guy with one, what did they do with that? What did Jesus do with that talent? He gave it to the guy with five. He wants you to invest what it is that he's given you now. And you have blessings that he can use uh, for you. Third thing. And I'm going to finish with this. Nothing can happen. Nothing could happen with the disciples. Nothing can happen with you unless and then you're willing to give everything. Why didn't they give what they had? Why didn't they give what they had? And I, I'm not, again, I'm not ragging on the disciples because I might have been the same way. Let me ask you that question. Why don't, in fact, if they were going to rename this story in the Bible, it could be the hungry boat ride. Right? The hungry boat ride. They all went out there and didn't have anything to eat, and there they are. Or the miracle that never happened because they didn't give what they had. That's what God wants to do with you. If you give what you have, the miracles will happen in your life. I want us just to pray together this morning. Can we just do that for a moment? Would you would you just, just bow your heart, your head if you want to, but your heart before the Lord. And I want us to pray. I'm just so impressed with the young lady that came after the first service. And, and God... I mean it'd be worth just taking the whole two services for her to have confirmation in her own heart that God is speaking to her about what he wants her to do. I believe he's probably speaking to some of the rest of us as well. And I think I don't think it's just a sermon or a message or a challenge from somebody I think it's something that the Holy Spirit's been doing in your heart all along and for a while now. That's the way it was with her. It probably is with you. Maybe somebody just heard this morning the Holy Spirit say something. But most of you probably already know. God's been challenging with this. Maybe it's uh, the neighbor you haven't met, though you've lived there for three years. Maybe it's to step out and Maybe it's a phone call you haven't made to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's an investment of your finances. Maybe you haven't given financially to the Lord. Lord, would you just speak to our hearts today as only you can do in ways that only you can By your Holy Spirit, would you touch our hearts and help us to see in a way that only you can see us. Where you want to uh, kind of prod us a little just to move us. I pray that no one in the building today would somehow walk away and feel like, well, I've been doing what God wants me to do, so he's mad at me. God's not mad at you. He he wants you as a son and a daughter to walk in life that he wants to give you all of the life and health and provision in every dimension. And so, Lord, would you do that this morning? Just speak to hearts. And maybe... There's one or two or three or four or a half dozen in this room that have never given the, the first gift to you, and that is their heart. They've never asked you to forgive them of their sin and made you the Lord of their life. If you're here this morning just with your heads bowed for a brief moment and you've never made that decision, there is no decision. You, 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 can't, you can't do the other stuff. Of giving everything you have. That's what the Pharisees would do. It'd just be some sort of a legalistic kind of going about doing things and somehow that that made you godly or holy or something. But you've never made the decision to give Jesus your heart. If you're here today and I don't have to say a lot more. You already know if that's you or not. And if you'd like us to pray with you this morning before we dismissed, we'd love to do that. And just with your head bowed, if you're here, would you just slip your hand up and hold it up for a minute and let me acknowledge it. That's all I'll do is acknowledge it. And we'll pray for you. Anyone here that is saying, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life today, because we'd love I'd love to rejoice with you today and pray with you. Just lift your hand up if there is. I'm just waiting a second. Well, you might be here today and you know God's been talking to you about something. But you haven't been willing to hand it off to him. You'd like to see a miracle, but you got to give him what you got, whatever that is for you. You to find it. If you're here today, could we pray for you before we leave? Just slip your hand up and say, I know God's talking to me. I see some hands. Okay. 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 <laughs> Lord, would you would you touch those hearts today as well? Would you see their heart of surrender to you that just says, I I want, Lord, I want to give everything I have to you I want you to bless it multiply it and let it go about touching thousands of people hundreds of people whatever it might be Lord whatever it is that I have of my life I want to be able to do that Lord for you I pray for each one Lord this morning that would make that declaration in Jesus name Hallelujah say amen to that